0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 612 for Sunday, July 3rd, 2016. <music> ah, greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show. Where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We share your well, we share it all. That's what we do here. We share it all. And the goal is to learn at least I'm raising the bar. Four new things every time we get together. And uh and I think we're gonna be able to do that and then some here today. Sponsors for this episode include Text Expander from Smile at smilesoftware.com/slash geek. We'll talk more about that shortly. Mac Weldon, a new sponsor for the show, where coupon code MGG at MacWeldon.com. that's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, saves you 20% on some of the most comfortable clothing I've ever worn, and, I, well, I'm going to, I can't wait to tell you about it, because, and I know that sounds crazy, and also Casper, at Casper.com slash MGG, or coupon code MGG, saves you 50 bucks on well, the best mattress I've ever slept on in my life, including one that I slept on recently. And I have a story to tell you about that. So we'll talk all about all of that and more in a little bit here in Durham, New Hampshire, at least ostensibly. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. Yeah, John F. Braun. How you doing today, John F. Braun? Great! So we should warn everyone, I, you know, I say I'm here in Durham, New Hampshire, which is true as I say it, but uh, but we are pre-recording a couple of episodes, this being one and the next one being the next, uh, where I am not in Durham, New Hampshire because we're traveling uh, uh, throughout Europe for the next couple of weeks with the kids. So uh, I believe when this episode comes out, I will be in uh, in London, England, is the plan, and... Uh, I think. I, well, I, I may be landing. Let's see. No, I'll be in London by by the time this one is is released. So, fun stuff. Got all my uh, travel stuff together. It's been it's been kind of kind of fun actually pulling it all together. Figuring out we wanted to have data connections while we're there, so we're using uh, several listeners uh, helped out, uh, and one in particular really helped out. Uh, Getting a SIM cards for three, T-H-R-E-E, uh, in the UK because they have great uh, roaming plans that basically go throughout Europe for uh, pretty short money. So uh, it's been interesting trying to buy uh, credits for a UK data plan when you're not in the UK. Because I guess all sorts of regulations basically prohibit that, so you got to kind of find loopholes, but uh we found a- enough loopholes to get data service for when we get on the ground, and we'll deal with the rest of it when we get there so it's fun stuff so that's uh that's what I'm up to here, John. I'm up to my ears uh how about you anything anything exciting to report before we get to uh chris's question
1: um, here uh speaking of travel well i had a great triumph in uh doing a repair non-computer which i mentioned to you but i'll I'll briefly tell people here so i uh it was it was following basic troubleshooting so Mm. i was having a problem with my trusty uh 94 saturn all of a sudden out of the blue it started the the engine started running very rough and i'm like oh man not again (laughs) i'm like what could it be Um, and this is a car that one can still work on for the most part and so I'm like all right well you know it's probably one of the cylinders isn't firing yeah Um, I had just replaced the spark plugs recently because I think the problem was was creeping up got it it was kind of running kind of weird so I'm like okay well it's not the spark plugs because I just got them but you know I checked them pulled them out looked at them you know they seem to be working got some wires that wasn't it Probably, uh, highly unlikely it's wires. Wires, you know, usually last a long time. And then beyond that, there's something called a coil. This is the thing that generates the spark. And so I actually this, found a the, video. The,
0: I will ask, you know, we say this is car talk for Apple geeks, but it's not actually car talk. So this speed is car it, talk. speed it along. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, the next component
1: in line is something called the coil. This is the the component that generates the spark that makes the spark that explodes and makes the car run Hmm. i was like you know maybe it's that well it's the next thing in line i'm like okay um went to my local uh car parts store it's a 40 dollar part it's a you know pretty standard for gm there was that moment of truth and i found a video online that showed how to take it out and all It's pretty straightforward so pulled out the old one put in the new one and there was that moment of truth got in the car started it up
0: ta-da sweet (laughs)
1: Much less expensive than bringing it to a place to analyze it because it would probably costs more than $40. So,
0: oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's just working, working backwards from the source until you find the, find the defective component. So That's- that made me happy because uh, I'm really not in a position to... Uh, I'd like to keep this car running as long as possible. Sure. Like most of my toys. Sure. And tools.
0: <laughs> All right, I have, a, uh, I have an audio comment to play, John, and we'll let, we'll let Scott take it from here.
2: Hey John, and Dave. This is Scott from Los Angeles. I know you open up every show by saying you are our car talk for the uh, Apple geeks, which is absolutely true. But what's going to happen when Apple releases Titan? You'll just be car talk at that point, right? Or the yep, that sounds about right. All right, thanks for doing such a great show. Keep up the great work.
0: <laughs> he sent that in a while back, but uh, but it seemed appropriate to to share today here. So yeah, we may actually become more like car talk. Although I don't think the conversation we just had will be relevant except for, of course, the troubleshooting skills, because I don't think there's going to be spark plugs in any car Apple releases. So it's interesting. You think? Dude, think I, I know. Totally so. electric? Yeah. Yeah, 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 think, yeah. There's no question about that.
1: Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. I'd want a totally electric car, to tell you the truth. Though people seem to like the Tesla. That's
0: to- Is that totally electric? or is yeah. No. Isn't yes. it a hybrid? No. <laughs> oh it is, oh yeah, all right, yeah, you should go drive a Tesla. you would enjoy that process it it's a it's a really for those of you that haven 't driven them it's it's worth a test drive um it, it it has tons and tons of power, but it's this very smooth acceleration because it's a, a you know there's there's no gears so to speak it just it just goes, and boy does it go it's very very cool yeah yeah it'll it'll change uh, it changed my perspective of what was possible with an electric car. Uh, Really well done. So yeah, fun stuff. But for now we are not car talk. So let's get to, uh, let's go to Chris here and see where, uh, where Chris can take us. So uh, yeah, John, we had, we had this conversation in the last show about, uh, about a listener not being able to paste into His um, And it was listener Chris not being able to paste into uh, mail messages with the command key. He had to do it or he couldn't do it by right clicking. He had to do it with the command key or the menu. And John, you want to take us to where the final answer was? I will take us to the final answer.
1: So as it turns out, we needed a bit more information and Chris provided it. So great troubleshooting. So he isolated it. So it was not copying and pasting from any from any program it was just from chrome the chrome browser And i was like huh well that's kind of interesting so uh he's like could you verify this and so i tried it and i I don't run chrome that often i don't know about you I, i typically run safari then if something doesn't work then i'll run firefox and then if it doesn't work in that then i'll run chrome or if i need to run flash sure content with flash i'll run chrome because chrome has flash baked into it but um I verified the behavior, and so then I did a little surfing online, and uh, believe it or not, (laughs) I found this dandy article called, Having Trouble Pasting Chrome URLs on a Mac? You're Not Alone, and a fix is coming. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) Apparently, someone had, uh, and this actually, uh, the, the article also links to, Uh, I guess, their bug tracking database, and apparently this is an issue that was recently introduced. Someone fiddled with the copy and paste code within Chrome, and that's the problem. So, uh, I'm I'm sure they're going to fix it, or I guess you could revert to an earlier version. Uh, I I suspect it's not a problem with earlier versions, or just don't you know, use another browser. So, um, but that's a weird. That is just a, such a weird subtle bug there.
0: Yeah, I I almost want to look I, the is the Chrome source code open source because it would just be interesting to see what they did that broke pasting in that way. And my guess is they're they're it's on the clipboard. Maybe maybe I should just look at the results of the clipboard with a clipboard manager um, because it, it's weird, right? That it would be. That, that, the res- that whatever's on the clipboard couldn't be pasted one way, but could be pasted another. That's, it's just bizarre. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. The, nice um, fine. Yeah.
1: Oh, you already pasted it. Yes. So I that's did. the, uh, that's the bug report. And actually when I, when I, so John's talking about that, I pasted
0: it into the chat room for those of you that have no idea what, what he just said. It's uh, at Mac slash stream. Some folks uh, will listen along live. So they're getting the show a few days early, but uh, yeah. So but thank you. And hello to everyone in the chat room.
1: Yeah, but I think someone actually identified the portion of code. If you look in that bug report, they actually identified the portion cool. of code that someone fiddled with that broke the paste feature, Got it. or the copy, the awesome. copy feature.
0: Huh. Cool. All right. Uh, JP, take us, uh, take us to where we're going next.
2: Hey, John. Hey, Dave. It's JP from LA with a question about tvOS and cord cutting. Uh, I currently enjoy my Apple TV and all that it offers me, but I also have a DirecTV subscription. And, uh, of course, as you know, you have to log in with your DirecTV in order to access content in all these apps. What about the person who doesn't have Dish or cable, and they plug their Apple TV in and hook it up to their Internet, and there's no provider to log into to get cbs or abc or cnn for that matter is there does that just mean you just can't have that content like i can't go to hgtv uh channel network and uh get you know watch barnwood builders because i need a subscription of some kind to some service or is there something i'm missing Cut
0: me off, please. All right, you're cut off. That's it. Um, you've had enough. No, uh, so this is, it's a it's a good question, uh, JP, because initially that was the case, right? If you had cut your cord, and I realize the satellite dish is already cutting the cord, but if you had, had not had an aggregating pro- provider, is what I'll call the cable companies and the, the satellite companies and all that, Uh, If you did not have an aggregating provider, then yeah, you were kind of uh, out of luck, but that has changed uh, over time and not every channel is available directly, but many of them are CBS, for example, has a CBS all access pass that you can get either by signing in with your provider's login and, you know, that's just how that works or For about six bucks a month, you can buy a CBS All Access pass. All access is a bit of a misnomer; it comes with just about everything, but uh, NFL games are very much excluded from that, and that's that's sort of the next big hurdle for the whole cord cutting. Uh, thing is is the nFL to be quite honest with you and they 're working on it it's that wall is starting to come down as as you 've seen they 're streaming some games and you know doing that they 're just being very careful about how they they 're standing at the precipice of of uh, well they 're standing on, on atop a pile of cash that keeps getting larger, and they don 't want that uh, trend to stop so they 're being very careful how they move forward and they 've got a lot of exclusive deals with the networks and you know all of that stuff but yeah. So, you know, HBO for the longest time, ha- you could only get it, you could get it on your Apple TV, but you again had to have a subscription and now they have HBO now uh, that allow HBO go is the one that lets you get your stuff from uh, from, you know, your provider via HBO and then HBO now is their separate app. So yeah, yeah, they, they, they are aware of you and, but you have to check before you cut that cord You need to look, and I don't know about HGTV, right? You need to look and see, do they offer something where you can sign up directly? And if the answer is yes, then rock on. It's fun. I wouldn't say fun. I'm surprised you haven't cut the cord yet, John.
1: Uh, I'm I'm happy with, my cable subscription, I'm sure. not hap- necessarily happy with what they charge. I well, that's, they what I charge mean, that's, less. Why, that's why I I'm,
0: mean, that's why I'm, because a lot of people cut the cord to save money. If, if you know, look, I'm only watching these, you know, four shows or at any given point in time, I only watch a handful of things. If you do the math, it's like, well, you could either get the shows by paying your six bucks to CBS or this, or just, you know, buy them from iTunes. It's so, more convenient. Oh, totally. Yeah, I know. I,
1: I I record get. a lot of them. And the thing is, when I do miss a show, so every now and then the TiVo will have a hiccup or something hmm. and I'll miss a show. Uh, what I found, in, in a lot of cases, yeah, I can log into the Apple TV and you know, I log in with my uh, Optimum Online identification and then it says, oh, okay, you can watch it on the Apple TV. Sometimes it won't, though. I think it is actually the CBS. A, a lot of them... Some some of the channels will let you watch all content going back as far back as possible. Some want to ding you extra money, which yeah. which kind of has me shaking my fist. A lot of times, the shows that I watch, if I do miss them, I can actually watch them in a browser. A lot of the networks will show the show the next day, sure. And you have to watch it in a browser, <clears throat> and that's fine. You know the resolution. You know it's HD, and uh, and I'm okay with that. So I'll mirror. From my computer to the Apple TV in yep. that case.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, totally. Right. No, there's there's ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. The convenience of using an aggregated provider is is right there. Um, and Apple is aware of that. I think that's where uh you know the, the single sign on stuff and all of that in uh in the new TV OS is coming from. It's like, yeah, you know, this will make things happy with the networks if you have them or with it, with the provider, if you have them, but then also, you know, maybe separate too. So, well, you know, that,
1: that I think was actually an implementation. Oops. On Apple's part is that you, you shouldn't, that. is that, I mean, it was like storing something in a password manager It's like, guys, I submitted this information once. Why do I have to log into, you know, they should have stored a cookie or whatever saying, okay, once you've authenticated with your cable provider, you shouldn't have to do it again. Yeah. So, uh, so it's nice that they fixed that because yeah, that, that also had me
0: shaking my fist at times. I'm like, I, I already told you this. You forgot already. <laughs> yeah. So people in the, uh, in the chat room, uh, Brian Monroe and, and Mikey are talking about Sling TV has a bundle, uh, now where they, I, I'm looking here and, and literally learning this while we're, uh, we're recording, but it's, uh, Single stream, single and multi-stream services, uh, with the addition of NBC local channels and other content providers. So they uh, they have uh, twenty bucks a month and twenty five dollars a month for single sling boxes and or single sling streams and multi sling streams. But uh, but lots of your live TV, including it looks like HGTV. So for twenty bucks a month, you can stream with sling to your, uh, to your various devices. So this is, this is a big deal. Um, huh. Very, very cool. We'll put a link. Uh, it was a nine to five toys article, but, uh, that, uh, that came out. So yeah, I have no doubt like anything else we, we talk about here on, on Mac E-Cab, uh, you know, there's now a can of worms, a good can of worms. Don't, don't take this negatively. Uh, open that we'll um that we'll keep talking about because I think this whole concept of cutting the cord is is great I you know it drives me crazy it's it's like um you, you know you buying uh, songs instead of having to buy albums right it's things are digital now, so we should be able to get exactly what we want and, and laser target that as opposed to being forced to buy things. Of course, this sling bundle is sort of more of the old because you're forced to buy uh, a bunch of things. But for 20 bucks a month, maybe it's the right price. Yeah. The trick the is, you still gotta, is still a mess. Yeah. You've still got to get your your Internet access. And of course, that's where people like, you know, Comcast and, and the, the bigger providers have their hold on you because they give you a discount a hefty discount or perhaps better said you pay a hefty penalty uh to get broadband access without getting your tv channels from the same uh from the same provider so interesting stuff wow very interesting cool thanks for asking jp i like it when things kind of open up and go different directions so it's good all right uh You want to, uh, you want to take us to, or I'll take us to Mark and we'll, uh, we'll see what Mark has to say. Mark writes, uh, since a recent update to iTunes, I'm seeing a message telling me that find my friends and podcasts are only available on iOS. Is there a way to remove this annoying message? Wait. Uh, Would be the best advice that I have. So this is a side effect of Apple making these apps uh, deletable, for lack of a better term, on on iOS 10, which, of course, is available in beta for developers and will eventually or shortly, I should say, be available for beta um, for anybody that wants to sign up for the public beta. Uh, And so they have to be downloadable from the app store it used to be that they were like when they were truly in beta you would just download them from the developer resource but now they need to be downloadable from the app store and uh, so iTunes gets a little freaked out about that my guess is that iTunes that you know as part of this is a part of the iOS 10 beta process that everyone has to participate in I suppose otherwise it wouldn't work uh, but Apple, I'm assuming with a future update to iTunes, will will address that in a better way or in a clearer way. I think. I think. What do I'm you think? I'm
1: wondering John? If, you're, I wonder if you're still going to have to. The, so, so the problem here. Uh, so, one, if you're on iOS, just uh, if you don't know this, but if you hold down on any of the apps and you hold down for a couple of seconds, all of a sudden they're going to start wiggling. Like they're happy or I don't know, or they're scared. Because what happens then is that you, you should see on a lot of apps a little X in the upper left-hand corner. And if you hit that, it'll delete that app. The thing is, Apple apps, a lot of Apple apps are not deletable. And that frustrates a lot of people. What I My solution to that, Dave, is I have a folder called Apple apps. And I put all the ones that I don't use in that folder and hide it away so they don't
0: clutter my... Uh, my space. Well, right. But but now with iOS 10, a lot, not all, but a lot of Apple's apps will be deletable. And we talked about this. Yep. What's important to note, though, is they are not actually deleting the app from your phone in most cases. You're just deleting the icon because things like mail, uh, the frameworks of mail are required for say the the email this web page sheet that comes up oh, in sure. Safari. So so you're you're not deleting the the app to it, it won't free up space other than the visual space on your screen. So it it's just important. Uh oh yes. Yeah. It's more like they're hiding them. I, I don't I actually don't I mean I get why Apple chose this paradigm to hide them um because it makes the most sense, right? But my my guess is they also consider just a, a uh, you know, slider in the settings app that says make this appear, kind of like the iCloud Drive app, right? Do you want this to appear on your home screen or not? That, that model is more appropriately representative of what's actually happening here in that it's still on your phone. It's just not uh, exposed, but... Mm -hmm. You know, it's fine that they're doing it with the app store, but, but again, this does, it just causes this little hiccup in iTunes. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting because you've had this ability on Apple TV for quite a while now is that if there's a channel you don't get, you can hide it because why display it if you can't get it? Right. Right. Same with, you know, the phone. Like I do, I don't have a watch, but the watch
0: app is there and I can't, I can't delete it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Sweet. All right. Yeah, moving along. And yeah, I I'm not running any of the betas yet. Normally I would be running the iOS ten beta on my iPad and the OS ten or now Mac OS beta on my laptop. But with this Europe trip, I I really would have liked the watch OS beta uh to go with me, but um but I need my phone and potentially my computer. My computer I'm not planning on doing anything with it, but you know, I'm bringing it as a backup. So to bring a, a backup that is not entirely known to me <clears throat> is not, uh, not a good idea. So as soon as I get back, then I'll, I'll dive into all this stuff and, and we'll be able to talk about it. But John, you could dive in anytime. Just, just saying, you know, you going to take us to PJ, John. I will.
1: And PJ writes. So for years, you guys would make sure to turn off time machine before recording. And I assume it is still the case. Um, Actually, in my case, no, no, I'm not sure about you, Dave. Nope. I'll tell
0: you why in a moment. Well, I'll tell you why. There's, yeah, there's uh, two reasons for it, but I'll let you for on my in well, my case anyway. But I'll let you. Well, I I'll think the explain. reason
1: is that we turned it off because when it was doing it with a rotational drive, it would cause uh, that was consuming too many interrupts. I would say hardware. Re- yes, it was. It was wreaking havoc with with the hardware. And it would cause interruptions in, in basically our Skype connection,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, or the recording, yeah, any, any of, any of the above. That's right. Yep. Um, since
1: I've moved over and you've moved over to an SSD, I have found that that uh, running Time Machine during the the show is not an issue, and that if it's happening, I don't even notice it.
0: But I also, but it's also not an issue because I use Time Machine editor to have Time Machine only fire when my machine is idle. Yes, and you. Uh, yeah,
1: and you, you got ahead of me and, and then that, that was one answer. But, uh, but to continue here. Um, and yeah, and he says that too. He's like, you know, uh, it seems to have gotten better with SSDs. Yes, it has. So yeah. um, and Then he continues, I have found the nice slash re-nice, but for some reason I do have a few apps that chew with their mouths wide open. Uh, re-nice
0: is a utility that will let you um, well, it's not a utility it's a it's a unix command right
1: well there's something called i mean i did find a utility i think it's called renicer that provides oh, okay. a gui to it but oh, okay um, but yeah but the, the thing is there is um you can actually find this so if you go to the command line and you do a man man is a manual page and you say man nice uh, it's going to tell you about this command that's called nice. Sure. And basically what nice does, um, in theory, though, uh, I personally wouldn't fiddle with it. In theory, it should make apps play nice with no- one another and that you can escalate, or I guess deescalate the priority of any process by issuing this command. And you have to be the administrator or root to, uh, to do that. um, He's asking. Well, first he says, "Is there a GUI you guys have found to make apps play nice?" And I and I think it is this utility. And I did
0: find it. It's it's rather old. I was going to say I I can't find anything current. There's App Priority and and there's one called Renicer, but uh, the Renicer I found that that's we're not recommending that. It's yeah 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 yeah. I wouldn't use it. Um, I wouldn't use either one of those. They don't. They they haven't been updated in many OS versions. So. I mean,
1: it works. I mean, I actually downloaded oh, it and did. ran it, oh. and it functions. Okay. Um, well, I, you know,
0: I think in this case, yeah. The, the, well, the I'm, UI I'm not going to. For, for nice hasn't changed much, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, so this utility, you could use it to set the priority of your processes. Um, like I said, it, it hasn't. It, I, I don't see a problem with the app not not being updated because the functionality really hasn't changed in what it does. The thing is, I don't know. I. I think it's just a recipe for disaster to try to second guess the operating system, Dave, when things are by setting the priority yourself rather than letting the OS do it. Cause that's the job of the OS.
0: Um, yeah. Although the OS doesn't necessarily know which one you want to prioritize. So, you know, there's, um, St. Clair software who makes default folder, uh, has a piece of software called app tamer that does some of this stuff where, it reduces the amount of CPU power for apps you're not using. Uh, it can even pause apps if, uh, if you know, if you want to do that. Uh, you can, you, and you can set things for specific apps. So you can say, look, you know, on, the, on their webpage, they have an example with Chrome where it's like, slow down this app if it uses more than X percent of the CPU. Uh, stop this app completely when it's not in front or only stop or slow this app down when it's hidden, right? And so you can really do some cool stuff. Uh, with that 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 would probably be the best app to use if you wanna if you wanna really control things. But you're not gonna get everything because a lot of things hand tasks off to the system and then you see kernel task using like a ton of CPU and it doesn't go anywhere. And he showed
1: us that. And actually he showed us a, a screenshot here. And I'm yep. gonna assume he has a eight core machine because it shows kernel task consuming seven hundred twenty seven percent.
0: Yeah. 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 Now, his guess, well, and I would say it's a, It's important to note his screenshot looks like it's from Istat Menus, though. Istat Menus doesn't always get it right um, in terms of the process name. So you should look at Activity Monitor to make sure it's truly kernel task as opposed to identified as some other process. I've seen an inconsistency between the two there, and Activity Monitor is more correct. Right. Um,
1: so so anyway. he suspected. It was Time Machine and Mail app that was causing his processor uh, to to have his machine consume nearly all processing resources. And that's a reasonable assumption, I think. Uh, Because I think they would appear under kernel task, right? Uh,
0: Time machines usually uh, backup D and mail is usually mail.
1: Yeah, so I don't know why if they're having a problem and it also shows up in kernel task or like you said, uh, the by menus is just getting it wrong. So... So I, I would. Uh, uh, all right. So I'll, I'll stand behind not doing the nice thing. Though, though you offered an alternative. There, there, there are ways to to set the priority. As you mentioned, for uh, so what I was going to say is one thing that I found with Time Machine um, is that I'm not crazy about its default of doing something every hour. And so as oh, yeah. you mentioned, Dave, there's a swell utility called Time Machine Editor, and they've actually enhanced it fairly recently. To um, so you could either schedule uh, so for example, I schedule it on my MacBook Pro every four hours or six because I think that's frequent enough. I think an hour is too frequent, sure. Um, but you need to decide for you, right? I mean, it and that's right. the beauty of this, yeah, right. And on my mini, I actually set it for once a day at 3, 3 a.m., I think,
0: okay, um, yep.
1: not at the same time as my carbon copy cloner because that that gets weird. The thing I noticed that's kind of weird is that if, if my CarbonCopy cloner clone is mounted, Time Machine gets rather confused. It, it thinks that it should be backing that up as well, probably because it's a clone. I don't know. I've, I don't know if it's a bug or it's just me, but um, I try to keep them separate. I, I don't like the clone drive mounted when Time Machine is running.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Because again, I think time machine sees it and it's like, oh, I better back this up too. And it's well, like, not you no, you, no, can, no. you can omit it. Exclude it. You can exclude it rather. But yeah, I I'm this I'm I'm with you. I'd have Carbon Copy Cloner reject that thing as soon as it's finished. Yeah. Um I'm excited about uh, this app tamer thing. I you know, I had heard about it. I think we might have even mentioned it uh on an earlier episode. But looking at this, man, I I, I can only think about battery life on my uh on my laptop if i can tell it to you know make apps in the background chill out that would save a ton of battery life that's my biggest problem with my you know my air is old well it's not that old it's it's 2011 right so it's uh, yeah it's five years old and uh and and a lot of times the cpu is just running full tilt so oh look at this it's cool man we gotta, oh, man. I, I'm going to dig want into money? this. They want money for it? Oh, of course guys. they want money. You know, 15 bucks. Come on. Oh. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it a whirl. Not I'm going to give, really give it a whirl. It says I can try it uh, for free for 15 days. So my guess is while I'm in Europe, I will likely be buying this thing. Yeah. So there you go.
1: Sweet. Right. Yeah. I got it on my browser. So um, PJ, maybe try that instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my re- Yeah, so the recommendation for Time Machine is Time Machine Editor, and then if you think mail is acting up, the only thing I would... Because th- mail shouldn't be consuming all resources. Uh, the only thing I could think of is, if you ever have problems with mail, is you may have a plugin that's either old or acting up. Yeah. And where you find those currently is either in library mail bundles or your user directory, library mail bundles. Uh, should be the places where mail plugins are located and you may just want to review those and make sure that they're up to date and uh, you don't have any that are conflicting or fighting. Cause that could cause mail to, to go wacky other
0: than it just being mail, <laughs> just being mail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh mail plugin manager while we're on the subject of, of mail. Um, and that's from a new, well, it's from a, a, a company with a new name called small cubed, but really it's, uh, Scott Little and Scott Morrison, who both each made separate Mail plugins. Uh, Scott Morrison was uh, oh gosh, he, it's Mail tags and and Mail Act on is what he used to make, and I can't remember the name of his company. And then Scott Little was Little Known Software. Ironic that I remember the one with the name Little Known Software, but uh, but he's a Rush fan, you know, so it's it's all good. Um, but they've combined forces, and so now Small Cubed makes. All of their plugins together and uh, has mail plugin manager, which is a super handy thing to manage all your mail plugins. As it says, it will check to see if they are up to date. And it also has a little bit, I don't want to call it a store, but a directory of a lot of mail plugins, not just the ones these guys uh, sell, but but lots of them. So. If you're looking for different things to extend mail, mail plugin manager is probably the best place to start because you can not only make sure your plugins are up to date, but also find out about other plugins. Like I didn't realize that DocStar had come back. That was one I used to love and it was end of life. And now someone has resurrected it. So mail plugin manager, there you go.
1: Oh yeah. Actually, yep. I have that because I think at one point it was installed along with Signature Profiler. I think he bundled it. Or, he did or he recommend.
0: Yeah. That, yeah, it was bundled with Signature Profiler. I think it's bundled with any of their plugins, um, and for good reason. It's a it's a great utility. So,
2: yeah, Ooh, I got to
1: st- update mine because actually, See? I just yeah. while I'm looking, here's the problem. Oh, you know, I think I've seen it crash. Mine is copyright 2012. The problem is when I say update, it says, uh, I'm having a problem updating this dude. Oh, it hasn't been able to update itself for, for a long time. Oh maybe, my goodness. Maybe you need yeah. to download
0: a new one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, I think that's, that's what we got for you on uh prioritizing and time machine and mail
0: and a bonus on mail. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited to check out, uh, uh app tamer okay that's enough about app tamer we'll we'll talk about it in you know a couple of shows when i get back from europe we'll we'll both have some experience with it we're doing a cool stuff found show the day after i get back uh less than 24 hours after i get off a plane so i'm sure that's gonna be crazy yeah but thankfully we have like you know 85 things in the cool stuff found cute so who knows what that one's gonna be like for now though I mentioned three sponsors at the beginning of the show that I was really excited to talk about, John. Can I can I do that now? Yes, you may. All right. Three sponsors today, and I'm excited to tell you about each one of them for a variety of different reasons. I'll start with Casper at casper.com slash MGG. Coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks off of the best mattress I've ever experienced in my life. I mentioned at the end of last show, and I wanted to expand on this story. I was in San Francisco for WWDC, you know, and I rented an Airbnb place and uh, it said it had a foam mattress, but okay, fine. You know, whatever. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Now, normally when I travel to the West coast, because I'm on the East coast, I always use Ambient to go to sleep. I don't use it at home. So it's not, it's not like I have a problem or anything, but I just use it and it, it, like I've been doing it for the last three or four years. It makes all the difference in the world. Well, I was three days into this trip before I realized that I had not yet taken ambient. I did not use any aids to get to sleep whatsoever. This bed was so comfortable there. And on the last day as I'm leaving, I'm like, I gotta look, wait a minute, what's going on? This is weird. Sure enough, it's a Casper mattress, folks. So comfortable, easy to sleep on. I mean, it was just, it's like, ah, oh, perfect, really perfect. It's multiple types of foam uh, so that you get the right snuggliness and it's not too hot and it's not too cold and it's just perfect. And here's the thing, you get to test it out the same way I did, but in your house, you don't have to do it in some other dude's house. You do it in yours because when you go to casper.com slash MGG and you place your order, they ship it to you, and for 100 days, you get to test this thing. And if you don't like it, they'll take it back. It's that simple. You just got to check it out. And coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks. You can sleep as comfortably as I do, because I have one here, and as I did in San Francisco. Our thanks to Casper for sponsoring this episode. The second sponsor I want to tell you about today is a new sponsor for Mac Geek Gab, although the name is close. It's called Mac Weldon, dot com. When John Donahue at Backbeat Media sold this uh, spot, he said, I think you're going to love this stuff, Dave, because you're going to love fancy underwear. And I thought, well, thanks, Johnny D. I don't know what that says about me, but you know what? Johnny D was right. This stuff is awesome. So they gave me a credit so i could go and learn about the stuff you know and and uh and shop i've shopped 3 times since then spending my own money this stuff is fantastic they believe in smart design premium fabrics and super simple shopping and i got to admit all 3 of those things are totally true Like I've never had a t-shirt that is as comfortable as this. I've definitely never had underwear this comfortable. I know it's crazy that I'm this excited about this stuff. The first pair that I got, I ordered a size that was too small. They said, well, we don't want it back, but we'll ship you another size. And that wasn't because I was me. It was because I was a customer of theirs. We do this for anybody. First pair of underwear, if you get it wrong, they just ship you a new one. If it's a shirt or whatever, they just have you ship it back and they ship you a new one. So they really, they work on the the size thing and they, you know, they don't charge you uh, for the shipping back and forth or anything like that. It's, you know, they're fair about it. Uh, They're more than fair about it, in fact. But the smaller underwear, my son- uh, you know, it fit him. So we washed it, obviously, and then he wears it. He's thinking about spending his own money to buy like you know six or eight pairs of these things. It's amazing. So you got to check this stuff out, and you can do it with twenty percent off using promo code MGG. So go to MacWeldon dot That's M A C K W E L D O N dot com. Coupon code MGG saves you twenty percent. It's underwear. It's socks. It's shirts. They've got sweatshirts. You got to just do yourself a favor, guys. Check this out. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for sponsoring this episode. And our third sponsor today is Smile. It's smilesoftware.com slash geek. That's where you always go to see what they've got special for you, Mac Geek Gab listeners. And this week, it's Text Expander. Text Expander is, again, one of those tools. I say this every time we talk about it that I could not live without. We couldn't publish the show without it. We could, but it would be really difficult. We actually use it uh, like literally right as I'm talking here, we're using it to build the show notes for the show. I've got to be talking, right? John's talking, we're doing the show, but we're coming up with links that we want to leave in the show notes. Now we have to build the show notes in HTML So the code's got to be just right. Otherwise, the HTML breaks. Then when you visit, you know, the site at MacGeekGev.com or whatever, it breaks. We can't have it breaking. So we need the code exactly right. But we also got to be able to like do this stuff while we're talking. The way it works, copy the link to the clipboard right from Safari. I go into our document where we save the show notes, which also happens to be a, you know, Google Doc in, in Safari. Doesn't matter. And I type comma SN. This puts the... URL right in the right place in the HTML that it also spells out and then puts my cursor in the right place to be able to type what I want to appear as the title or the text associated with the link on the page. So I can copy something while I'm talking here. I type comma SN, which is now just totally automatic in my fingers. And then I start typing whatever I want it to be. I can go clean it up later and I can do it while I'm talking to you here. In fact, I just did one now and you probably didn't notice me skipping around too much. This is what Text Expander is for. Of course, it's for a whole lot more. And now Text Expander saves your snippets in the cloud so that you have the same snippets on all your computers, on all your devices. It's brilliant. Really awesome tool that just sits there and does some fantastic stuff. You've got to check it out. Go to smilesoftware.com/slash geek. Our thanks to Smile for sponsoring this episode. And our thanks to Chris, who has a great little tip for us from, uh, from last episode. He, um, we were talking about uh, Time Machine in the last episode, and he said uh, he'd sent two things in. Number one, if you're backing up over a network, he says, try running Apple's OS X server, or soon to be Mac OS server, on a Mac and use the time machine server feature that is built into OS X server. This seems to make the process far more tolerant of client disconnects. He says, I've had no issues with time machine corruption for the clients that have been doing network time machine backups this way uh, for at least a couple of versions of OS X now. That's very interesting. I, I asked Chris uh, to, to uh, clarify some of this. It's it's not doing anything overly intelligent. It still appears to be your client computer managing the 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 sparse bundle and all of that. Time Machine server allows you to set quotas so that or limits is a better way to think of it so that uh, users can't use more than more space than you want them to because of course Time Machine will just fill up whatever you give it eventually. Uh, but uh, so it's not it's not quite doing what it should do. I don't think, and and neither does Chris. But uh, but it you know in his experience it's been working well. So for twenty bucks, uh, OS ten server yet another reason to to go get OS ten server. Thoughts on that before we move to his next time machine tip, my friend Mister Braun. No. Try it out. Yeah. So are you, I, I know you, I know you talk about OS 10 server quite a bit. Do you, do you run it on one of your machines there? Do you, are you running it on your Mac mini? Uh, I haven't installed, but
1: I, uh, at this point I'm not running. Not really. I'm okay. not, not running any, I'm not, you, you know, none of the services are, are on. At, yeah. At this right.
0: Point. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I, it, and to be fair, we all have those services at our disposal um, OS 10 server is just a very well put together GUI for managing a lot of these things that already exist in OS 10 is essentially, uh, how that works. It, it might, you might have a couple of things that actually come with it, but I think for the most part, it's just a GUI for everything that, that, or for a lot of things that are already there.
1: Yeah. And I think in the past we would, you know, every now and then we mentioned a way that you could hack OS 10 and yeah. do stuff on the command line to enable the features. Of course. Don't waste your time doing that. Just, just throw down the $20. Yeah. 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 Even I threw down the, tw- well, no, I threw down the $99 for the uh I was going <laughs> to say, yeah,
0: you get right. Yeah. You paid more. <laughs> that's
1: right. Yeah. Or for 20 bucks, I mean, you know, especially versus what some other companies charge for a server OS. Um That's a steal, man. It's true.
0: It's true. All right. And then, um, and then it's, I don't know why, maybe it's the caffeine. As you were talking, I was just sitting here marveling at how nice this 27 inch screen looks. And this isn't even the retina screen here. I don't know why I'm saying that it's the caffeine. I'm all hopped up. John Chris also says, uh, but it is nice I, I for, because of the, how my desk is here. I've got to be a little closer to the screen, but I was really, really what I was realizing is I have my font sizes much smaller on this than I do my retina iMac at my desk downstairs. But, um, but it works because I'm I'm closer to it. Retno or peer would be even nicer, but you know that's it's not like I'm going to take my family to Europe instead. So. um it's I still lead a charmed life. This, this that's not a complaint. So he says, uh, repairing time machine backups takes a long time. If you invoke fsck underscore hfs properly from the command line you can give it the utility you can give the utility extra arguments like using the dash c argument to tell it to use much more ram that makes it go faster for disks with gobs of files like a time machine disk Uh, and he there's a mac 10 hints article that he sent us to but he said you know for example sudo fsck underscore hfs dash f -F 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 I don't know what dash F does. Uh, I thought, Oh, I think dash F means fix dash C, uh, and then two, two O O M, which is, uh, 2200 megabytes. So 2.2 gigabytes essentially. Uh, and then the, the name of the disc, which for him is slash dev slash disc two. And, uh, and this Mac OS 10 hints article talks about finding it, even though it's old, it's still correct. So, uh, so very, very cool stuff. And thank you for, for sharing that. Um, because, yeah, that's the big problem is uh, without being able to store all that stuff in, in RAM, FSCK has to work a little more slowly. So, um, yeah, yeah. Thoughts on that, John?
1: I think that's mentioned in passing in that uh, time machine repair article. I think he mentions at one oh. point the same thing is, hey, yeah, if you've got okay. the RAM, use it. So it uh, speeds things up.
0: Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. Yep. It's, uh, it's frustrating when apps don't do that automatically. But I mean, again, like we said before, you know, the operating system can only do so much for you. So speaking of operating systems and all of that, we have a note here or a question here from Sushil asking, I have a rather interesting problem. Uh, this is my wife has an iPhone six and I have a six plus Both running 932. The phones are about a year and a half old. Our phones have worked great, but exactly two days ago, they both mysteriously have begun to drain their batteries rather precipitously. My phone, which would be down to 50% at the end of a typical day, will be dead by 2 p.m. Just sitting at my desk for the past hour, my wife's phone battery probably fell from 100% to 82%. I have tried different things, including restarting the phones, turning off location services. Deleting my exchange account and then reloading it says because I read that somewhere turning off Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. exploring the battery app under settings did not seem to show excessive use by anything in particular. Also turning off my VPN. My wife even called Apple care and found them very unhelpful and we're now waiting for a genius bar appointment. What gives? are others experiencing this issue recently? It seems unusual for it to happen all of a sudden. You're right. Um, it, there's a lot of things that, that can cause battery drain on, on phones. Um, uh, very, it very helpful to note that it was two phones that were going through this. So there's a couple of things that, uh, will run in the background, uh, uploading iPhotos, syncing anything with iCloud, uh, or, or any other sync service, but iCloud, if you and your wife are sharing, uh, something via iCloud, maybe, it needed to do a resync of all of that data, whatever that data was. And um, so perhaps, you, you know, there was that. The other thing that would affect multiple phones in the same location is cell service. When your phone has a weak cell signal, it will be looking for a new signal more often, and that causes it to use more battery. So good cell signal will actually reduce your battery consumption because your phone knows that it's got something reliable and it can, it can be very power efficient at that point. But if it, if it can't find a, a tower to sync up with, then it, it sort of has to leave the radio on all the time. The phones do, I'm going to oversimplify this and probably screw it up anyway. But um, when, when a cell phone or when a phone connects to a cell tower, It sort of syncs up with it and says, all right, are we in sync? We're happy. We both know what we're doing. And it asks the tower or the tower tells it, here's the frequency at which I am going to send updates to you. And the phone says, great. And then the phone can shut itself off uh, in between and, and only turn on at the interval that it knows it's going to get a signal from the tower. And this is happening very, very frequently, but not always. So the phone's radio doesn't have to be actively on. It can kind of, you know, burst itself and and save battery. Well, when it has a weak signal or it's jumping from tower to tower, that's not how it works. It's got to be on and obviously burns up more radio or more battery. So that, that can be part of it. Um, and, and he, he did write us back a couple of days later after this email and said, Hey, uh, it just mysteriously got better. So, that could be either. It could have been that there was a bad tower near you or it could have been that there was, you know, some iCloud thing happening in the background uh, when you were on Wi-Fi. Although turning off Wi-Fi in theory should have stopped like an iCloud Photos thing, but it doesn't stop everything from iCloud. So uh, looking at your data usage might have uh, have helped that, you know, uh, if your router shows you Activity on Wi-Fi, that would be an interesting thing to to dig into because those are the things that won't show up in your, uh, you know, in the battery section of your app listing. So I don't know. any thoughts, John?
1: I have a few thoughts. Good. So to your point about the uh, the, the uh, dance or the chat that your phone has with your carrier, one thing um and we'll paste the article here, is that every now and then your carrier may update how your phone has a discussion with their network. Sure. And that is known as updating your carrier settings. Um, Sometimes that's forced onto your phone, but sometimes you may actually have to uh, uh, coax it into getting that. And uh, we'll link to the article that tells you, but in a nutshell, you go to settings, general, about. And if you go there and, and a carrier update is available, it'll say, hey, carrier update is available. You want to apply it? And
0: I would say the answer should always be yes. Oh, that's good to know. All right. Yeah, I've got got something else, a total tangent, but i will let you finish first. I'm going to let you finish. But... Uh, you're not going to take the mic away from me. No, no. Well, you just did. I did. You're pulling
1: a a, a Kanye. A Kanye. Kanye. Yeah, Kanye. You. I'm going to let you finish, but <laughs> so um so that's one thing. And there's an article, and uh, you you may find it before I do. I have it on the other machine. I don't know why I do this. Um, the other thing is, I would not recommend. Um, I mean, if it's between doing cellular data and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, uh, I would actually say that. Doing Bluetooth and uh, uh, I would uh, I as far as I know those draw much less energy than doing cellular data. So if you have a choice to connect, well, at least for Wi-Fi, is it uh, between Wi-Fi and cell data? I'll choose Wi-Fi whenever I can. Sure. All I uh, the reason I say that is that when I am traveling, I notice that my battery goes way down if I'm just using LTE data. Yeah, I don't know. Another thing, I don't know if. Uh, LTE draws more power than... It does. other. Okay, so another thing is you may want to disable LTE and use a less speedy data. It, I, I will means- say
0: LTE does if all else is equal, but if you have a better LTE signal than you do, say, a 4G oh. signal, then all bets are off.
1: Okay. Um, the other thing I should mention is that if you are getting a bad signal, you can typically see that. So if you go into Settings, Battery, It then shows you what apps are consuming things. I have seen this, and I think this is still the case. I don't see it now. But it'll list the apps, and for apps that use data, if they have a bad signal or low signal, it'll actually say it next to the app. So I've seen this in the past. It'll say, like, phone, and then in tiny letters, it'll say low
0: signal. I think that only appears for Verizon users here in the U.S. Or rather, I should say, I don't think it appears for AT&T users. (laughs) All right. I think huh. I, I've never seen, I've seen, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've never seen it on my phone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've seen it on occasion. So so sure. that may be a hint that your, your, your signal's not that great. If you look there. Yep. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm almost uh, like, I think I told you a, a while ago, I actually saw some people at one of the, uh, putting new antennas in for the Verizon network. And, yeah. uh, you may just have been, and I actually saw one of my, um, someone that i follow on twitter was actually interacting with verizon support saying hey i'm on vacation and and the speeds suck here what's up and they actually actively that's another thing you know twitter or uh, customer support to your cell provider and say hey guys you know uh, you may have a tower that's that's on the fritz they were working with him i i I was actually shocked that they were interacting with with this guy saying uh yeah we uh yeah actually we we think there is a problem with the tower um you know we'll send someone out to check it so yeah cool
0: So that's what I got. All right. I got one other, uh, one other thing here, John, that, uh, that this reminded me of. So, you know, I'm traveling to, uh, Europe and that meant testing these Sims that we got ahead of time. And as soon as I put the SIM in, uh, to my phone, uh, it, it told me, Hey, there's a carrier settings update, which absolutely makes sense. Um, So I let it do it because like, because I agree with you, the advice is right. And then this company is actually pretty cool. They, they, this three company, they immediately started getting text messages from them with like a first time password to use to create my account. And then it told me, and I assume this will happen as I move to different companies or different carriers, countries or different carriers, I should say uh, throughout Europe. But it told me, Hey, in the U S here's what your roaming rates are. If you use this on this current plan. And as soon as I changed my plan, it told me, okay, now, now your roaming rates would be this. Um, So very cool. But I looked in my messages app when I first plugged this SIM into my phone. And I realized that none of the phone numbers, none of the names appeared next to people. It was all just phone numbers. And I thought, Oh crap. And I realized what the problem was. My phone knows that these are us numbers so when a, when, when my phone's own number changed from a US number to a UK number, it put a plus one in front of all of these phone numbers in messages. And I don't have plus ones associated with most of my U S contacts in my iPhone. It's like, Oh crap. I got to go through and manually put this plus one in no way. Somebody's got to have figured out a way to automate this. And it's true. They have, I found an app called uh contacts optimizer pro and I hit ha- it. So the first thing I did before I ran it was I went on my Mac and I um, did a backup of my contacts database because you know, duh, right? <laughs> uh, Cause I can't lose my contacts. And then I ran this app on my iPhone and man, this app is outstanding. So it went through first and found all these duplicates or what it thought was duplicates and showed them to me. And it let me pick which ones I wanted to either merge or delete. And I could, you know, pick none or all or any combination thereof. And then it it has like this very methodical process. You can, you can jump in at any point, but you, you know, the sort of the intent of the app is to walk you through this process. So it cleaned up uh, my duplicates. Then it started looking at my contacts and finding um, you know, erroneous records or erroneous data points inside my contacts. Again, very easily highlighting all of these things. And this app is free, by the way, they say it's free for a limited time. I don't know what that means, but uh, you should go download it. And it went through and cleaned them all up. And then it did a lot of things uh, that I was very happy to have it do. And then when I got to the international optimizer, it said, do you want to, you know, optimize your contacts? And it showed me a list of 400 contacts Again, I could choose select none, select all, or uh, or anything in between. So I selected all, and then scrolled through and unselected a few that already that were like it was trying to add a plus one to somebody that I knew that was already in Europe. And you know, I had a four four, but not a plus four four in front of their number. It didn't get everything. It didn't get contacts that had a pr- a parenthesis opening the area code. Now your phone will always show you if you're in the U.S. The the area code wrapped in parentheses, even if the actual data of the contact record does not have it. So uh, if your contact record data has parentheses, then this app doesn't really uh, know what to do, but for all, so, it, you know, it fixed most of them for me and uh, really handy and obviously much better than going through those 400 records manually. So, uh, so, you know, it's fun, cool stuff. I don't know. That's all I got moving on john should we do uh let's do let's do kevin i feel like this will be a unless you have any questions about uh about that
1: no i'm uh the next time i travel out of the country i'll be much better prepared because the last time i did it was with an iphone 4 which is cdma and that doesn't work in a lot of countries whereas now my my current phone uh, or Verizon, so so mine will do CDMA or uh, GSM, I guess, depending on on what's going on. As far as I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is now a world phone, but it, yeah, the, essentially, uh, yeah. The old iPhone was not uh, CDMA. I think only works in U.S., Canada, but very few countries are CDMA is native. That's right. That's right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's it was it's pretty cool. So, all right, yeah, and I'm sure I'll have lots. I mean, lots of stories when when I get back. But uh, all right. So moving, wonder how
2: your Wi-Fi
1: ahead. is going to work. I think it's slightly. I think they use slightly different channels. Oh, thank you, downshifting truck. That was yeah, nice.
0: They do. <laughs> um, yeah, I found out that I and I've uh, probably had this for years and didn't know it, but I have free access to Boingo Wi-Fi hotspots worldwide because oh. because I have an American Express card uh, from Starwood, uh, the hotel properties company. I have a, you know, a rewards card with them and one of the travel perks I get. I was looking just the other day just to make sure that this card had no foreign exchange fees because I want to use it, you know, while I'm there. And it doesn't, which is good. And then it also said, oh, yeah, you get free Boingo hotspots worldwide. It's like, wow, I wish I'd known that. <laughs> but I'm glad to know it now. So. But yeah, I'm, I, I, I think the phone is capable of doing the extra Wi-Fi channels. Uh, it's just limited while it's here. But I might be wrong about that.
1: And I, well, I was thinking know. your de- uh, your devices, but I think it's it's the same general frequency range. But I I think Europe doesn't have a couple of channels that we do. Or no, it's do the it
0: other work. way around. They go up to oh, fourteen okay. there in some Ooh. countries. Yeah, uh. on two point four gigahertz. Yeah. yeah. All right, now we'll go to Kevin because Kevin says uh, I had the Mac Photos Dream Slash Nightmare client scenario uh, recently. My client had an early has. An early 2011 MacBook Pro that was pretty sound, other than that it started with 10.6 and was now on 10.95, never had a clean install, and was otherwise running uh, as pretty slow, uh, very slow. I'll leave the political jokes out of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this client had spent extensive time teaching English overseas. Ready for this, she had an iPhoto library of 226 gigs. It's no, no different than my wife's iPhoto library, so I, I feel your pain. Uh, I upgraded the MacBook Pro to a Samsung 850 Evo, 500 gig SSD, and I did a clean install of El Capitan. Obviously, what a difference in performance. However, the nightmare is going to be getting that iPhoto library she had not yet upgraded to photos over to the reborn SSD powered MacBook Pro. I put the original hard drive into a USB 3 enclosure, then I rigged that up to a Thunderbolt to USB 3 adapter, which is recognized by the Mac as a USB 3 port, which makes sense. Do you know what the estimated time for transferring that iPhoto library from the enclosure hard drive back to the MacBook Pro was? Two days, even after it transferred one of the 226 gigs. Of course, I don't expect it to take that long. I had her purchase Power Photos with your MGG code. Thanks. Uh, and we plan to use that to split that gigantic library up after conversion to a photos library. She has uh, an existing photos library of recent picks, about 10 gigs. So Questions. Number one, she wants to use iCloud photo library. She wants to go for the one terabyte plan and is already paying for it. Will iCloud backup multiple photos libraries or can you designate only one? Um, Answering this question very quickly, one. The iCloud photo library will, it it only manages one library. You can have it on multiple machines and multiple devices, of course. Uh, That's sort of the point, but it is one whole library. You don't get to somehow launch iCloud photo library and choose multiple libraries in your storage. You could, you could do it, but you'd have to have different iCloud accounts uh, for that. So that, that's, and that's not, that's not really feasible. So no, you only get one. Number two, I lament the loss of the Google Picasa app. Yeah, it still works if people have it installed. It was no aperture or elements. It probably couldn't even do the basics that iPhoto and Photos could do, but it was a photo manager that used a plain vanilla folder and file structure. Are there any photo managers like it? I remember using Photoshop Elements back in 2014 and it seemed to put a layer on a top, much like the Photos library. And then uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. And then number three, in Windows there are utilities like Fast Copy to speed up the process of copying between folders or a drive or a folder within the GUI. Are there tools like this for the Mac that speed things up or maybe even a terminal command to use? Do you know of any... I know there have been utilities like that that do some better memory management like we talked about before in terms of reading little files and, and copying them. I thought the Finder actually got a lot better at that with, uh, I want to say, Yosemite. So I think you're already there. And that, that sort of end-of-life to all the third-party utilities or Sherlock them, as we like to say. But uh, I, yeah, I don't... Do you know of any utilities like that, John? For copying... I mean, isn't
1: there? I mean, I suppose you could fiddle the command line. What is there? rsync and dd and stuff. Though I, I think,
0: yeah, that's no, true. actually I'm almost certain. rsync's that, pretty. I mean, rsync is yeah. It's not. It's probably the wrong one.
1: <laughs> actually, I'm almost certain that Carbon Copy Cloner underneath the covers actually does use uh, It uses dd. I think. Yeah, I think it, it properly invokes or it, it invokes uh,
0: stuff. Uh, It's built into the OS to the, that's uh, true. You could use carbon copy cloner to do it. That will copy a folder from one device to another. No problem. But here's the thing. Um, One of the things that is, that makes the transition of a large library, um, well, no. You'd, yeah, you could use iPhoto Library Manager for this, though, perhaps, or Power Photos for this. Yeah. So I think Power Photos would be your friend because one of the things that makes upgrading your – well, no, it's just doing that with hard links, isn't it? So. I'm just
1: trying to – I mean, if you're trying to transfer from one computer to another, then one thing, which all, nearly all Macs support, is target disk mode. And then you would choose. Well, but he, the,
0: she's not. It's one. It's the same uh, computer. He just put a new hard drive in it for her. So he's got the old hard drive as external, and then the new SSD is is inside it.
1: I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah, it's all the same computer, right? Well, in that case, then yeah, it sounds like USB
0: three would be the would it be the fastest connection? Hmm, it's as fast as it's going to get. I think yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the speed of the hard drive is the (gasps) limiting factor here. Yeah. I think USB three certainly provides enough headroom. What I was, where I was going with this and I kept stopping myself because of the way photos works, um, was to say, look, if you've got data on one device and then you want to migrate that to like, again, and this is a bad example because of the way it works, but you know, migrating from iPhoto to Photos you're better off having the things on two different devices, except that's not true with iPhoto and Photos. But in a general sense, if you're doing, if you want to make a duplicate of, of something, it's, it's the most inefficient way to do it with current with the current HFS plus file system is to have them on the same, you know, uh, device, because it's got to read and then write that same data. Now, Apple file system, which I think we'll talk about a little bit maybe in the next episode, um, will uh, we'll omit that, right? Because it does something similar to what iPhoto in, in a totally different way, but iPhoto and Photos do because when you migrate an iPhoto library to Photos, it just creates a bunch of hard links. So, um, so I'm, you know, I'm wondering if you should just create the Photos library. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference, but convert it to a Photos library on the external drive and then uh, and then just copy the end result over to the SSD. It what doesn't really matter because it the conversion to the photos library. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't think it matters. I, actually, I think it's probably better to copy it to the SSD first. At least you have a backup and all of that. And it's and then then and then you get the benefit of the SSD while it's going through and kind of rearranging things. So yeah, I don't I don't know that there's a magic answer. I'm trying here. You can hear you can hear the wheels turning, but uh, but they're not getting us anywhere better. <laughs> so. Yeah, And no, I don't know of any, any other sort of, you know, Picasa-like photo management apps for the Mac. Uh, you know, Photos does so much of what the casual users would need that there's very little need for a, an alternative there. Um, you know, there's power user tools, but I don't think that's, excuse me, I don't think that's what you want. I don't know. You got any thoughts on that, John, or are we good? I think we're good. Your wheels yeah. are turning, too. I know.
1: Well, no, I'm, I'm just, I mean, USB 3 is, yeah, it's 5 gigabits per second in theory. So if there's any bottleneck, it would be what you're pulling it off of, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well. Uh, Wait, one more. Well, yeah, go. In yeah.
1: theory, well, no, Thunderbolt, in theory, would be faster, correct?
0: well thunderbolt
1: to what i i I, I, if you can go thunderbolt to well well i'm thinking no if it wasn't i mean thunderbolt i think in theory now goes up to what 20 gigabits per second
0: but but again there is no such thing as a thunderbolt hard drive there are drives that have thunderbolt interfaces but it's going to be right Thunderbolt to eSATA or Thunderbolt to USB to eSATA, right? I mean, it, you know, there's right. going to be a translation because Thunderbolt's just like, you know, plugging into your, your motherboard. So... Uh, and actually, but I, now that I think about it, yeah, the fastest SATA right
1: now is SATA 3, which is six gigabits, and that's faster than USB 3, which is
0: five gigabits. Okay. Yeah. All right, right. I, I think, right. I think, I think, I think the done. Thunderbolt to USB 3 on this is, is a, a, a perfect path. Uh, again as long as you don't have you know some bad component but I think I think this you know this hard drive was replaced because it's a slow hard drive right so <laughs> moving it to a faster bus probably isn't going to make uh any difference and they already have moved it to a, a fast enough bus I don't know if it's faster than just the sata inside that machine but it's, it's fast enough so All right well I think that's uh that's all we got time for today, my friend. But the good news is, we're gonna record the next show in a few minutes here. So that's how it's how it's gonna work, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Mr. Braun, yes, feedback sir. feedback at Matt Giggap Matt wow. I'm see now I've been doing I've done a zillion podcasts this week because uh because i'm going away so i've been queuing things up so i just confused the names of two of my shows uh there is gig gab that's not this show i'm certain and then there is mac geek gab so feedback at mac gab.com is the address that you can send in all your questions your comments your tips whatever you want john will be a uh, point man on this while uh, while i'm away but uh i might check in from time to time because i miss you you folks and if you, uh, if you want, come to our meetup in London on uh, Tuesday night, the 5th. It'd be a blast to see you, if, if, you know, if you're local. I'll put a link to the uh, Facebook event in the show notes. It's at yeah, maybe salt, stream The Salt it. House Pub. Yeah. Maybe stream it.
1: Wow, that'll chew your data. Nah, never mind. <laughs>
0: oh, no, I have unlimited data in, uh, in London.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe stream it from an iPad or a phone or
0: something. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Well, we did that at Macworld, too. I remember we were doing that at uh, yeah. the last Macworld Expo at some of the gatherings. Somebody would be running around with a, a
0: Mac or an iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, could, Face- I could Facebook live stream or Periscope it. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's a good idea. Good thinking. I, I think right. I got the email address right. Right, John? I think you did, Dave. It is
1: feedback at MacGeekGab. Not MacGeekGab. Gab. Mac Geek
0: Gab. Just just not confuse them. No, let's not. It's, it's feedback at macgeekgab.com. Wow, I've really done it to myself. Or premium at macgeekgab.com. And as I mentioned last week, um, we have migrated now to a new publishing system uh, at, uh, at Mac Observer. We moved from Expression Engine to WordPress. The one thing that has not yet migrated over is the premium account management interface. But you can, you can still get there. If you go to MacGeekGab.com, you can sign up for a new one or you can manage your existing account with the links are all there. They'll, you, the first page is, you won't know this uh, uh, except now that I'm telling you, you will. But the first page that you get to from MacKeyCab.com will be WordPress. And then if you click through to the premium stuff, it jumps you over to Expression Engine from there. It will all look very, very similar. Uh, so just, just now you're aware. And if you have any problems, obviously let us know. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll help you out. We can do whatever you need to do. So, uh, very excited. The, the move went very, very well. So it's good stuff. That's premium at com if you want to uh, email us there. Feedback is the other one. Premiums this one. 224 888 geek is the phone number that you can call or text. And that's plus one two two four-eight eight eight geek for people that are uh, world, you know, world travelers. John Geek is four three three five. Visit our Facebook group at MattGeekHub.com slash Facebook. That'll get you there and uh, join the community. It grows every week, and it's absolutely fantastic. So really loving it. I think that's all we got. I want to thank the folks at CashFly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Uh, I want to thank all of our sponsors, which include, of course, Casper at Casper.com slash MGG, where coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks. MacWeldon, M A C K W E L D O N dot where MGG saves you 20%. Smile at smilesoftware.com dot com slash Geek with Text Expander. Gazelle at Gazelle dot com. Squarespace at Squarespace dot com slash MGG. Otherworld Computing at maxsales.com. dot com. Barebones Software at Barebones dot com. Have a fantastic week, folks. Enjoy yourselves. Happy 4th of July to those of you that will be celebrating it here in the U.S. I will not be celebrating it here in the U.S. Um, And don't get caught.
2: May not.